a week it's been. So much to talk about and so many things we can't talk about. Ladies and gentlemen, this is the villain Marty Scurll and you are listening to Behind, no sorry, what was it? Me and my friend Mark, we're gonna stop watching. I'm Mark. And I'm Harris. And we'd like to welcome you to Behind the Gorilla, a podcast where we delve into the wild, wacky, and crazy side of professional wrestling. back to another episode of behind the gorilla this week it's gonna be harris with the topic so that's gonna be a lot of fun i'm really hoping for something crazier than the kiss demon from it's last not week. i'm gonna oh. uh, it depends on your definition of crazy but let me just cut let me just cut that off right now so you're not <laughs> no one's no one's emerging from a pod and spitting blood no oh man <laughs> never mind Sorry. guys you guys can skip this episode <laughs> Just tune it out. Well, they've seen the they they've seen the title, so they at least know what it is. That's true. Yeah, they know. Uh, so I guess if you clicked on it, then you're either actual fans of ours, which we really appreciate the five of you that are, and uh, if not, then I guess you're interested. So here we go. I don't know what we're talking about, but um, anyway, uh, not much to get to beforehand. Wrestling's puttering along, still with no fans or minimal fans, and you know. They're making the best of it. WWE is imploding. I don't care. Um, <laughs> and uh, they're finally testing people for COVID, Mark. Yeah. They're finally mandating masks. Good, four months good for too them. Late. That's great. Uh, AEW had their their uh, first day of Fighter Fest, and it was a good show. That was a lot of fun. Of course, all their shows are good, and it was another good one. I I enjoyed it. I enjoyed I enjoyed all the matches. N- n- nothing that was like revolutionary, but solid matches. I thought across the board. Yeah, I had I, I I watched most of the show. I flipped back. I had NXT up on my other screen because they have the big Great American Bass show, which is just nope, an excuse to run a, another big show this week. I, I boycott all of them trying to use WCW pay-per-views for, for <laughs> non-pay-per-view basic house shows. That's that's fair. I didn't really think about that. It seems unnecessary. Like it They is. didn't have to call it anything. I didn't tune in because it was called the Great American Bash. I tuned in because they were like, hey, we have Sasha Banks and Io Shirai in the main event for the NXT <laughs> title. And I was like, that's a takeover match. I'm watching that. Sure. And it was good. Yeah, that was the sure. one that was the one time that like I changed the channel on my TV and watched NXT on my TV instead of having it open on my laptop. Ah, nice. Because I like Kenny Omega and Adam Page, cool. I have no problem with them being the tag champions. I'm pretty sure they're not going to lose the belts at night one of Fighter Fest. Right. Especially because now they have to wrestle next week for the titles oh, again because John Moxley can't wrestle next week. <laughs> yeah, okay. That, darn you, WWE. But, you but, ruined but, Fighter but Fest. But they automatically rescheduled it for the week after. So it's like, well, I guess Brilliant. it's not that big of a deal. Apparently, he's already tested negative twice, but they just wanted to wait another week anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, well, I'm glad. See that that validates my decision even more because it was a great main event. It was it was really solid. Oscar came out from under the ring and hit her in the face with green mist because you sure. knew it was going to be a non finish. It it was fun, but anyway, yeah. Like other than that, I I had Fighter Fest up pretty much the whole time and it was a really fun show. Yeah, it always okay. is. Okay, the I, best I part of the show was best friends coming to the ring, being driven by Trent Beretta's mom in a minivan, 
and then coming out and then at the him looking embarrassed as they're then walking to the ring and then her calling him back over so that she could give him a kiss was fantastic. Yeah. That was pretty perfect. Funny. That was perfect. I did enjoy that. Um, the other thing I liked, okay, this is the main reason I wanted to talk about the show is to say these two things. One, I really liked that MJF opened the show. Yeah. Like with great. a kayfabe rationalization for him being there and having this match and also just breaking the fourth wall a little bit, like just acknowledging what we all know, which yep. is he's like, I don't understand why I have to fight this guy again. But then I realized it's because we're in a ratings war. And if you put me on TV, then more people are going to watch. And I was just like, yeah, all right. That's <laughs> exactly. Yeah, that was like good. you can you can lean into that a little bit. But. OK, here's here, here's where we're going to have a little fight before we get into the topic. I like Chris Jericho on commentary. Chris Jericho dialed up to 11 for two straight hours is kind of insufferable. No, it's it perfect. was a it was too much, man. It's and it's it just I don't think he means to do this, but he's so desperate to chip in on everything and put everyone over that it just really screams like, please, please watch our show. Please don't change the channel. Please. Like, just let the show be the show. Let your show, because it's a good show every single week. Let it speak for itself. Let the talent get over. He was constantly selling it to me, and it just got a little old after a while. I know you're going to disagree. I just wanted to say that because it kind of ties into the topic, but, you know. I wanted um, to get that out there. Well, maybe, maybe he did do it more than he has before, but I know his last run during those all those Atlanta taped shows, those pre-taped shows, when they couldn't get mm -hmm. anyone else there, so it was just him and Tony Schiavone. Tony <laughs> Schiavone lives here. Um, <laughs> that was that was the best commentary team I've heard since Tony Schiavone and Bobby the Brain, and it was it was awesome. He was he was a little bit more toned down during those. He definitely I, had more energy in this one, so that's yeah. fair. But like, I don't I can, care. I think he's. I think nah. he's. I think he's the best we've seen since Bobby the Brain. He's because he hits everything. He sells everything. He hypes everyone up. He puts over everyone, but he still is able to keep himself over because he's just that good. He puts over the baby faces, but then he'll throw in like, "But I hate his guts" and things like that. It, just to keep everything flowing, he cheers his own teammates, which makes perfect sense. But mm -hmm. he never, but he'll like say if they do something wrong and like make fun or, you know, be annoyed with them instead of it always being the other person's fault, which is mostly right. what the heels always do and is one of the, and, and that works to a degree, but it also can get really annoying, especially on commentary. And he walks this line perfectly while being f really funny and very entertaining. And I think I think he's fantastic. And I'm sorry, I really, really wish we would not have JR and Excalibur and just have Tony Schiavone and Chris Jericho. And I love JR and I like Excalibur fine. I got nothing against either of them. But I think Tony, Tony Schiavone is my favorite wrestling play-by-play uh, -play guy. And I think Jericho is one of the best color people we've ever color eyes we've ever seen in wrestling. And I think I, and I, I don't think I almost wish he would just retire and just do this full time. But I know with everything he does, I, I don't <laughs> see him 
doing ever do well maybe because you know for doing broadcasts you only have to be there like once a week so maybe he will do that when he's done wrestling but because he does so many other things i don't Mm -hmm. know i don't know if that would be what he does but i hope it is whenever he does retire i hope he does stay on and do the once a week uh color color role like jerry lawler has done for the past like 30 years yeah now Okay, this might have been part of my problem with it. Was it a four-man booth the entire yeah, show? Yeah, yeah, it That's, was. See, you can't. Yeah, do that. I, I'm not a four, I'm not a fan. It, uh, four three man is too, too many. many. Here's I agree. The, I, I here's agree. what it is. Then I'll say, because I Chris Jericho is clearly good at this. Like I'm not saying he's not. It just felt so frantic the whole show, and I think a big part of that was because he's trying to get all these points made. He's trying to get all these things over. And there's three other people talking at yeah. the same time. And it was just too much when you have two, like three is too much, but there can be a dynamic with three where it works. Yeah. Four is just ridiculous. But when you have two, that's all you need. Cause you got the play by play and the, and the wise cracking, you yeah. know, the back and forth, but there's enough rhythm there to just let the wrestling play out. Like let it breathe a little bit. Yeah. When there's four people talking, nobody gets a chance to breathe. It just, I, it rubbed me the wrong way, and the only other thing I wanted to point out was, like, MJF kind of breaking the fourth wall is fine. Constantly breaking it and poking it and talking about the other company and the ratings were the whole show, they need to chill with that. Like, I know it's, yeah, it's yeah. annoying when Vince McMahon has this rule that we don't acknowledge anything that's happening ever, but the more you mention it and the harder you try, the more, like, little brother you come across. Like... Cody Rhodes is a great performer and I like his story a lot and I root for him a lot. But when he came out and smashed that throne with a sledgehammer, it was kind of dumb. It was just trying a little bit too hard. It's not enough for me to say like, it's not enough for me to say, oh, this is bad and I don't want to watch anymore. It's just, it, it, it's trying a little too hard to point out how different they are. And Jericho didn't do this a ton. This is more like the show as a whole. Like I know, um, Taz made a joke about it at some point and, Somebody else say well, that was excuse. warranted because WWE just cost him their main event next week. Ah, <laughs> oh, that's fair. That's fair. That is more deserved. I didn't think about the sabotage element of that. I was thinking that was just like a standalone shot. But you know what? I, that that's just that's my nitpick for AEW. I think they consistently put on a great show. Just let that speak for itself. You don't have to try constantly to undercut the other guy. And again, the reason I bring this up is mainly because. Uh, it, it's it's going to tie back in later, kids. This is okay. foreshadowing for, for the topic at hand. But Perfect. I just wanted to get that out there. But it was a good show. It was a no. good show. No, I agree. No, that, that That's a fair point. I agree the four-man booth uh, had a lot to do with it. And well, I, I do agree. I mean, that's one thing I've been saying that's annoyed me with AEW from the start is it's it, they do too much. Too much, uh, I don't know, stuff like bowing up against WWE like every week. And it's, it's like, eh, you don't, you don't need to do that that much. You just don't. You're, like be- everybody... you're, you're, you're clearly better than they are as far as like, like the quality of your product. So obviously it's going right. to take you forever. You're never going to get to that level. Not for a very, very long time just because of the infrastructure that's already set up. So it's like, don't, you don't have to, you don't have to keep doing that. You just, you don't, you guys, are, right. you guys are doing great. Just, like... just keep going. The reason they exist and a large part of their appeal is, hey, we are an alternative to WWE. Right. And I like when they talk about that, like out of kayfabe behind the scenes and interviews and stuff. But you don't have to keep making it 
like it, it works as subtext. You don't have to keep making it text over yeah. and over and over again. You know what I mean? It just again, we, you know, Vince is a lunatic and makes bad choices in a lot of ways. But you understand <laughs> when he's like, this is our show. We don't name drop anybody else. And when we do, it's a big deal yeah. and it feels risque. You know what I mean? Sure. I respect that because he lets the product bad as it can be sometimes stand on its own two legs. Yeah, no, I, I, I agree. I agree. Um, yeah, night one of fire fighter fest, really good. Um, I'm still baffled that Cody's amazing shirt is not on sale at pro wrestling That's just absolutely <laughs> mind blowing. Name one time in history, something happened that people were like, Oh, that's funny. And then it wasn't immediately a shirt on pro wrestling tees. Jericho said I got a ticket one time and it was on a shirt the next day. Uh, I, I, I don't understand. That's one of the coolest wrestling shirts I've ever seen is his shirt that says Cody, the American night, uh, the, uh, the American nightmare in the great American bash font, which was awesome. Like things like that, I think are fantastic. Yes, absolutely. That's I, I great. completely agree. Especially I completely agree. Not just, That's... not just the poking fun, but also the, the context of it where it's like, no, this is my dad's. And yeah. you guys are now doing this on our big show. Screw yeah. you. <laughs> no, I, I love that. And you're right. It's just subtle enough. Here's here's what it is to me, honestly. I think if you're showing this to somebody who hasn't seen wrestling before, doesn't know the backstory, they wouldn't even notice it. But if you know, right. you know, and it makes it that yeah. much better. You know what I mean? It doesn't come across as weird. It's just like, oh, I see you. All right. That's, that's very good. It is hilarious, too, because like – We've seen them do things like write promos or just create moments in AEW that were clearly specifically to sell T-shirts because right. they just have right. fun all the doing time. that. Like the the inner circle having all of these T-shirts for the Stampede <laughs> match winners and it having it, having it be like the Super Bowl where they're yep. like, all right, well, yep. we lost, so I guess we have to unload all these stadium stampede match winner t-shirts like that's great that was and awesome it's dumb and it's a ton of fun yeah i don't understand why, like, why is it before. not out i was i was looking for like i was done buying shirts and definitely done buying wrestling shirts because i have too many and i was like no i i'll, I'll buy that i would yeah. i would buy that in a heartbeat and it's not on sales like you gotta be it's not for sale it's like you gotta be kidding me and this is what i was saying before we went on air like where did he get the physical shirt then? Because most of the time wrestlers show up with a new shirt and it's because they're ready, like they're going to release it right. to the public within two hours. So the people at the Pro Wrestling Tea Store in Chicago have like printed a bunch and given him a couple to wear on the show. Who made the shirt? Somebody had to physically Someone make it. Did. Like, was it him? Did Brandy know. sew it for him? Like Betsy Ross back home? <laughs> like, where did it come from? If they're not selling it, where did he get it? I don't think. I don't know. Maybe, maybe he's uh, jumping ship and going to a different T-shirt manufacturer. Who knows? Maybe it's a big scandal. I don't know. See, that's the kind of thing that I'm afraid, like, if they were, like, 2000s era WCW, AEW, they would make that an angle. Like, he gets into a feud <laughs> with the pro wrestling tees people and goes independent. That's funny. That would be interesting. Uh, anyway. They did that with Punk when CM Punk signed with Fox for, like, a weekend. They took all of CM Punk's merch down yeah, except for one yeah. black T-shirt that said CM Punk sucks. Yeah, they did. I remember that. 
But anyway, uh, yeah, so night one was good. Night two will be coming up in a couple days, and that'll be fun. Although it's uh, a little shallow card compared to compared to last week. The, the really only yeah. standout match is going to be Orange Cassidy and Chris Jericho, which is going to steal the freaking show. And I was can't wait. I'll be honest with you. I'm, I'm kind of more excited about that than I am to see John Moxley defend the title. Well, that won't Brian be till the that won't be till the next week. So you got plenty of time to 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 think of that through but anyway i i can't yeah i know i agree i'm more excited for jericho and, and orange cassidy they've been building that up that up picture perfectly they're the we, we talked about it last week but they're mm-hmm. they're the perfect foils for each other i mean th- there's no two individuals i don't think in all of wrestling that match better right now than than those two i mean th- they're they're perfect for each other and it's going to be great um all right well anyway <laughs> Moving on to our uh, topic today, Harris. The uh, the mic is is yours. Oh boy! So okay, entertain us, please. All right. So I'm gonna go this get a is snack. One... <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Oh, that would be incredible if you just <laughs> left the room. And I just kind of had to figure you, you, it you'll out. You'll never know. Well, hey, we'll see. So <laughs> this is a topic, at least the idea of a topic that I imagine has been on your list for a while. It's one of the most famous incidents that we haven't covered yet at least i i certainly hope we haven't this might be the one where we've done it before and if so don't tell me we'll wait a minute hold on again you don't know if we've covered it before i'm pretty sure we have been but a part of every episode shit. yeah i know but they all run they're together, all man. right there for you to look at on the website i know and i usually check but this time i didn't but like i know i haven't done it before and i'm pretty sure you haven't done it before it doesn't matter the point is, I, I was inspired to finally do this episode by Fighter Fest and the Great American Bash going toe-to-toe like this. Okay. Because, you know, competition is great. I think every wrestling fan agrees on that. Yeah. When there was no, like, big number two promotion. I know TNA was good for a while, but there wasn't a lot of toe-to-toe competition. The The product suffered for it. And now that we have these two things, you know— we got a better NXT card than we normally would have. And AEW is pushing to make big shows like Fighter Fest to get eyes on the product. That's a good thing. There's a lot of good things that have happened, you know, specifically in the Monday Night War, but between wrestling companies trying to steal viewers from one another. Uh, tonight, we're going to talk about a really dumb thing that happened as a result of head-to-head competition. Well, and I this... hope so. I was, I was getting a little worried there. You're like, there's a bunch of great things that have yeah, happened. No. It's like, uh, that's not the show, Harris. No, it, no, it's not. We're going to talk about what I think might be the dumbest, like, gimmicky, hey, look at us, we're in a competition moment in wrestling history. Uh, we're going to go all the way back to 1996. This is like, this is, this is some prime WWF right here. Like, not quite the height of the attitude era, but definitely like recognizably proto attitude era. This is like the, the summer, the early fall of 1996 and WWF is just getting their butt handed to them by WCW at this point, because earlier in 1996, Scott Hall and Kevin Nash debuted for WCW and WCW if you're listening to this, you probably know the story. Did a masterful job telling the story of the outsiders and implying that these guys were still working for WWF or at the very least 
hated WCW and really wanted to take it down. They were running roughshod over the company. And then, of course, at Bash at the Beach that year, Hulk Hogan turns heel and joins them to form the NWO. It's iconic stuff, part of wrestling history. And it captivated people. And that was the hottest thing on television. So when you got that going on on Nitro, you're you're probably not going to care that much to watch Shawn Michaels feud with gold dust. Maybe you will. I don't, you know, that's, that's fine. More power to you. Most <laughs> people did not. Most people felt like that. That wasn't quite as interesting as the, the, like, you know, real life esque intrigue of the NWO that they're Scott Hall and Kevin Nash, these actual guys who actually left WWF. You know what I mean? They poke at the fourth wall and acknowledge real life enough in that scenario to create something really interesting and really exciting. And WWF was just getting killed for this at the time. They had no way to compete. So on September 6th, 1996, after, you know, a a few months of this and a few months of this storyline with those characters over on the competition, good old JR comes in. JR comes in during a match between Stone Cold Steve Austin and Psycho Sid for the Intercontinental title. It's a tournament match. It's, you know, it's it's the first round, no big deal. JR is going to plug some stuff. And he says, I've been in this great sport over 20 years, and right here tonight, I'm going to break the biggest story of my broadcast career, certainly the biggest story of the year here in the WWF. Big Daddy Cool Diesel and the bad guy Razor Ramon are on their way back to the World Wrestling Federation. I have that on very good authority from some very reliable sources. Hmm. Harris, really? <laughs> All right, I guess we'll this talk about it. I guess, deal, we'll, I, guess, I guess we'll talk about it again. This is the biggest this is the big deal. Did we do this already? <sighs> Harris, you amaze me. <laughs> You're kidding. No, we haven't done it before. Oh, thank goodness. <laughs> Although we have mentioned them in other things, but but no, right. we, we have not we have not covered this. And before. I think that's what led to my confusion because I know we've referenced this like well, seven times. I referenced uh, I referenced it recently on the one about mm-hmm. uh, the Sunny and Elmo. Yeah, I remember that, and thing. I remember because I was doing my research, and I was like, this person appeared in a match with this person on this show, and I was like, huh. Yeah. Okay. (laughs) But if anything, covering this topic twice would be kind of appropriate considering the subject matter. Anyway, here's what, here's what I want to do. I want to walk through this just from the perspective of WWE kayfabe for a second. And then we're going to pause Harris's famous. Let's look at it in kayfabe and let me try and rationalize this crap. Oh no, there's no, we'll we'll, we'll back back out and go through (laughs) it again. I don't think rationalization (laughs) is the right word. Yeah, but you still give it a shot. Yeah, I do. Well, that's, that's what makes the show fun. Cause otherwise it would just be both of us going, this is bad. This is bad. You got to fill up the air sometime. That's a good point. That's a good point. So this, this is a, Let's just take JR at his word here for a second. This is a huge deal. Yeah. Because Diesel and Razor Ramon left WWF, I'm going to get this confused so many times, and became the biggest stars at WCW. And the biggest reason that WCW right now is pretty much undeniably, you know, especially from 
perspective 25 years on, undeniably the better wrestling show at this point. And they're coming back. That's crazy. They signed like multi-million dollar guaranteed contracts. They were pretty pissed at Vince when they left. This is all very documented history. But wow, he actually did it. That crazy cutthroat businessman, Vince McMahon, he did it. He's bringing them back. What does this mean? Surely, surely next week has to be huge, right? You you would uh, think so. Yeah, no, they don't come back the next week. What? JR continues to tease it out. Peel back the curtain a little bit. So he just lied. It's a great way to try to get viewers up. Well, what's funny is the announcers kind of start to call him out on it <laughs> as the weeks go by. <laughs> and like – What's funny is the first time he says it, you know, when, you know, announcers kind of get into that mode where they're like, okay, I know this match isn't going to finish for seven minutes, so I'm going to plug stuff for three minutes. That's kind of, he's in that mode. And he talks about how he has it confirmed from reliable sources that Razor Ramon and Diesel are coming back. And you know what else is going on? You know, we got a pay-per-view this Sunday and hey, guess who was seen in Connecticut talking to Vince McMahon? It's that Olympic wrestler, Kurt Angle. Imagine if we could bring him here. And it's wild hearing that because you're like, wait, wow, that's real. That's- hey, well, could they bring Kurt Angle in, you think? I don't know. <laughs> That'd be amazing. <laughs> Who's to say? Wouldn't that – he'd probably be a natural, honestly. He might be like the fastest, the, the fastest rising wrestler in history. He might be. Right. But so like – so imagine hearing that in 1996. That was just a funny detail to me. So when JR says that and says, and we got Scott Hall and Kevin Nash coming back, we got Diesel and Razor Ramon coming back, you think, whoa. Well, okay. That sounds pretty great. But week after week starts to go by, and they're still not here, and the announcers are starting to be like, JR, what, what are you doing? And he insists that his sources are right, that they're coming. They're just not here yet, but they're coming. And almost a month of this goes by. It's now September 22nd. It's a Sunday night show. It wasn't even a pay-per-view, but this is back when, like, their show schedule was very different, you know, and it's a show called Wrestling <laughs> okay. Superstars. I'm or sorry, something. Harris. All I can yeah. think of is, this isn't even a pay-per-view. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Something like that. <laughs> oh, shout out to our patron saint, the illustrious David Arquette. <laughs> so... This is an episode of Superstars of Wrestling. I don't think it's even on the network because it's not a big enough deal. It doesn't really matter. And we see them, Mark. We see Diesel and Razor Ramon way down at the end of a hallway with their backs turned to the camera. Gotcha. And they're kicking the crap out of Savio Vega. And JR's like, see, I told you. There they are. There they are. What did Savio Vega ever do to them? That's a great question. Nothing. I don't really know. Not a thing. Not a thing. They Poor just, guy. They just don't like. They just hey, they're back. You know, and yeah, the two he big bad was, dudes. He was and, one of the guys. He was one of the guys who it's like, oh, new guy coming in, and we're gonna have him beat Savio Vega. He was, he was kind of one of those guys. Right. So you know, I hey, you know, they're just they're happy to be back. You know, they want to claim they want to claim their place back in the WWF. I'm sure something like that. We're still in WWF kayfabe at this point, but. That's kind of that's the big tease to end the show. They end the show with that because, again, superstars of wrestling on Sunday night was not really the marquee program. They want you to tune into Monday Night Raw tomorrow night to see for yourself. Right. 
So they open Raw with that clip. Again, look at it. It's Diesel and Razor. They're back. They're back. And the crowd's like, oh, whoa, whoa, okay. Like, it's not quite a pop. It's more of a what kind of sound. It's it's very funny to hear. At one point during the show, you know, this is understandably going to be dragged out for an entire episode of Monday Night Raw because this is the biggest thing to happen in wrestling, like in forever. I was trying to think of a modern day equivalent, and there really isn't one because like I guess the closest I could think of would be like if WWF said, hey, guess what, everybody? Dean Ambrose is going to be back at Extreme Rules this Sunday. That's like the the biggest caliber superstar I can think of to yeah. where that would be not plausible because this wasn't even like people at the time were like, wait, how? How are they going to pull this off? I thought they had signed a contract and hated Vince. But like it's that caliber of a big deal if they steal these two superstars away from WCW, right? So they're dragging this out the whole show. At one point, the backstage interviewer, you know, shows up to their locker room and it says Diesel and Razor Ramon like on the door. And they have the same locker room, which is a little weird, but we'll allow it. And he says, OK, guys, I'm going to I'm going to see if I can get any comment from him. I'm going to see like they're going to come back in a backstage interview segment with this schmuck whose name I don't even know. Yeah. Who would ever come back in a backstage interview segment after taking nine years away from the company? That would never happen in in the WWE ever. <laughs> we would we will never see that happen now because that just makes no sense right right Harris I, I know you're referencing somebody but I don't know who no one is. would I'm just come walking you. out of the Miz's locker room after nine <laughs> years of of not wrestling for the WWE and then that makes know, it sound like he was like, just in oh, the locker room the whole time he's he's back would have been nice to see like you know John Morrison come out with his big music and slow-mo entrance with the pyro and everything that'd be a much cooler way to come back but you know that's fine. We just will glance him backstage. Oh, that's incredible. That makes it sound like he just like got lost backstage for nine years. It does. Maybe that's what they wanted. Anyway, uh, yeah, that's that's pretty bad. Uh, I guess all I can say is they considered Diesel and Razor Ramon in 1996 to be a bigger deal than John Morrison, as talented as he is and as unfair as that might be. Uh, so the interviewer opens the door and says, excuse me. Excuse me, Razor. And again, you see just from behind this big towering figure and the, you know, Razor Ramon get up and without even turning around, he just backhands the door and slams it shut. Seems a, seems a little unnecessary, but, you know, it is pretty weird to just barge into somebody's locker room with a camera. Like, I feel like we forget that in wrestling. It's meant to be a private place. People are naked in there. Don't just be running into the locker room. You're going to get the door slammed on your face. Yeah, don't do That's, that. That's more than fair. You know, not even wrestling, just in, in life. Don't, don't do that. Yep. Don't I'm do wrestling. it in the XFL. Don't do it. Don't no. do it anywhere. <laughs> but that's okay. That's okay, Mark, because JR, JR, you can tell he's a little, little, little cranky at this point because he's tired of people doubting him. He might have a couple other things bothering him, but he promises he's going to deliver the interview and he's going to do it in person, live in the ring later on tonight. So we've now reached the end of the show. It's time for the main event. This is understandably, you know, you want it to be a match. But in the case of a return this big, I think you could argue it's warranted. He's in the ring. JR's ready to go. And he's interrupted by a video package. And like he got into the ring and like started talking before it started. So it's this really weird, like very funny sense of interruption. And it's Paul Bearer and Mankind in a cemetery. And they talk for a bit. 
about something unrelated. It's not like they're like, oh, you just wait, Diesel and Razor Ramon. Like, no. It's just about whoever Mankind was feuding with before JR just got cut off. That's that's all that is. (laughs) And then we come back into the ring. And he says, okay, now, ladies and gentlemen, before we begin, I have something personal that I want to say, and I just want to get off my chest. And then a commercial happens. Brilliant. And it's it, it's pretty hilarious. I'm not going to lie, because JR is just so clearly vexed and thinks this is a really Bush League move. And we finally we come back from the <laughs> okay, commercial. Okay, all that, that, all that makes me think of is, Harris, you watch Community. Yeah. You remember the Jack Black episode, right? Right. That's all that reminds me of. <laughs> he's just like, I know you guys have your own type of repertoire and your own cadence, and I don't want to interrupt. And then it just cuts to the theme song, and he's in mid-sentence. Yep. Brilliant. And he comes back and says, timing. Like, yeah. <laughs> that's that's kind, yeah, <laughs> that's that's a good comparison. And, But here's here's what's really funny about this, and this is why I'm going to the trouble of breaking all this down in a little bit of detail in kayfabe jr is pissed and he was already annoyed he's been annoyed for weeks now and he was annoyed when he got in the ring and he was angry after he got interrupted once and now he's been interrupted twice and he's genuinely furious and jr cuts a heel promo a work shoot if you will and it's good it's really good because JR can sell this anger really well, especially when you're not used to seeing it from him. And everybody loves JR. So when he stands up there and he is mad, people kind of listen. It's a good promo. But he talks about, you know, I, well, listen, what I'm going to say is going to cause some of you to question my loyalty to the World Wrestling Federation. So let me just clear that up right now. I have no loyalty to the World Wrestling Federation. He's on, I only got loyalty to good old JR, and let me tell you why. And he just goes off. And he goes off about how he left this good job in Atlanta, and he worked for the Falcons, which I didn't know. Oh, I yeah. guess that makes me a bad wrestling fan. Yep, but he left this job Falcons. with the Falcons to become the top guy at WWF, and he showed up, and the first show he called was WrestleMania 9, and they put him in a toga. It's a joke. <laughs> it's crap. <laughs> Which is a fair thing Although, to be mad to be about. Fair, but like, they had Bobby the Brain in a toga and coming back uh, out on a camel backwards. Well, I, I was going to say, like, I get why JR is mad, but nobody came out of WrestleMania 9 looking good. Right. <laughs> so it's not like it's just him that looked like an idiot after that show. But he talks about how he's carried pay-per-views, just really crappy pay-per-views, and his broadcast was the only thing that made him watchable for years and then he yeah, got he's got to the curb. he's got nothing on tony Schiavone in like the last three years of wcw well yeah, that's fair but again <laughs> but that is storyline right he did, like, have, he to do, he did have to do that he did have to do a lot of that yeah and then you know and he woke up one day and he's struggling with bell's palsy and he doesn't have any movement in the side of his face and he leads like he he doesn't shy away from it he looks at the camera he's like do you think I like looking like this? Do you think I like not being able to move this half of my face? Like, I don't. I hate it. And then on top of all that, Vince McMahon fires me. And he goes on to talk you know, all this stuff, laying out these grievances. And then when they rehired him, they rehired him for pennies on the dollar to work the front office. And he's just insulted. And he closes this promo, which, again, I, I will say objectively, it's important to note. Whatever comes next, 
this is a good promo. That's I, that's fair. I just have to make that clear. And he closes by saying, you think it's an accident? All these guys have been leaving the WWF? It wasn't. I've been a very busy man. Which is a heck of a statement to make. Yes, it is. Yes, it For is. For a company that like doesn't like to acknowledge competition or that there's any other wrestling or sports entertainment company out there in the world at all. You can, they're committed to this work shoot, I guess is my point, to have JR come out and be like, no, they weren't leaving to go to another company because they could make more money for less work. No, 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 no. It's because me, JR, was secretly tanking this company. Interesting idea. That'd, that'd make a ton of sense. But I still love that implication. Just I could see Vince being like, no, no, see, it wasn't my fault. It was JR's. Yeah, well, we'll get into a little bit of that. But then he says, so you guys want your favorites to come back? You want to see it? Well, I bring back one of your favorites. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm bringing back Razor Ramon. And then, you know, the familiar Razor Ramon music hits. Yeah, and the car crash. Yeah, it's the car crash. And then, you know, the song starts playing. Ah, uh, the car crash, the car crash. That's some poetic justice right there. Because a man, <laughs> large man. I definitely minted, I definitely meant that that mm. way. Yeah, they it's almost like they did. Honestly, a large man with curly black hair makes his way out from the from from behind the curtain. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's a great moment where the guy on commentary says, and Hershey Park Arena explodes. It doesn't (laughs) like even a little bit, even by wrestling. Wait, so I would assume this is Vince McMahon doing the commentary at this point. Yeah, yeah, Yeah. it's Vince and Jerry. So, you know, the whole time. The whole time JR is running him down because this is like <laughs> we'll get into this too. This is before the Montreal screw job, right. like before Vince McMahon became an on screen bad guy. Mm-hmm. But JR is still just running him down and talking about how, you know, he's WWF is the worldwide leader in ruining people's lives <laughs> and like all this really brutal stuff. And Vince is just like, I can't, this is. This is so uncomfortable. <laughs> like it's, <laughs> it's weird. It's a really weird moment. But yeah, he says in Hershey Park Arena explodes and it, it's barely a pop. Like it's an, oh, hey, this is a guy pop. And, you know, car crash, it's barely a pop. We all know what's coming here. The man who makes his way through the curtain is not Scott Hall. What? I know, dude, it's crazy. But he's got like he's got the hair slicked back and he's got the music. And he's got a toothpick in his mouth, and it's <laughs> I. This is a great thing to watch because there isn't a huge pop, because most of the crowd was like, "All right, whatever this is, this can't be legit." Like again, to use the modern analogy, Dean Ambrose is not about to walk out <laughs> here, right, and confront Drew McIntyre, right? Like whatever's happening, they know it's got to be a trap, but they pop a little when they see someone come out because it's like your instinct. You just go, "Uh," like, and when ten thousand people go, "Uh." It'll make a, you know, it sounds oh, like yeah. a pop. Sure. And they all went, uh, 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 and you hear it die in real time. And I've never heard anything quite like it because it goes to like moderately interested and then just stops. Like every single person in the arena went, oh, <laughs> oh, they're just doing this thing. The, the poor man tasked with this role was just, it, it was a Canadian independent wrestler wait never, wait you mean it wasn't scott hall 
Oh, it wasn't Scott Hall. I wasn't kidding when I said that earlier. It's oh, it's Rick Bogner. Yeah, all right. And if that name doesn't sound familiar to you, it's because he never did anything before or after this. He just passed away though, recently. Oh yeah, R.I.P. Yeah, I know. I, I came across that. That's a shame. Listen, yeah. well, yeah, he's not the problem. All right. <laughs> <laughs> so look, he's look. We we've established the performers are rarely the problem mm. when it comes to professional wrestling mishaps. Yeah. Every now that and then being... they are, but most of the time they're not. Yeah. And, and that being said. He saunters down the ring and just does the absolute worst Scott Hall impression you've ever seen. Like, it's just, he's got it. Like, although to if be they fair, trying, would you want it to be good? No, you wouldn't. You might as well, well just have it be terrible. But when you're promised Razor Ramon, you know, you, you expect something a little bit more competent, you know? But, <laughs> okay. So he, he makes his way to the ring. And Jr. I, I don't I don't even remember the question. I just remember he's like, "Oh, Razor, you know, welcome back. How how does it feel to be back?" And this man who is not Scott Hall says, just again like the worst, dumbest Cuban accent you've ever heard. Like, yeah, I'm back. Take a look at the bad guy. And it's just well, at least he's accurate. Yeah, he is a bad. Yeah. It's, <laughs> It is bad. The crowd is just, they're not even mad. They're just disappointed. That's the At only this point. And the, no, the only thing that would make it better is if the crowd was actively laughing, just like collectively as mm -hmm. a, as a group, that would be great. Yeah. It, it, okay. It's funny. You use the word laughing because, okay. Again, remember this is the main event. So the show goes off the air with this doofus striking his razor Ramon pose in the ring. But one of the first thing to come out of Jerry's mouth before the segment ends is, what is JR trying to do here? Is he trying to make the WWF look bad? That's exactly what he's doing. And now we're going to pause. We're going to flip the switch back into real life. And we're going to rewind a couple weeks. Yeah, before we rewind, wait a minute. Are you going to say yep. that they did all this stuff and then not even Diesel came out? Not on this show. I always thought that like they came out at the same time. Well, it seemed Evidently like it not. seemed like they were. Uh, that's what they were alluding to. Kind of a package deal, right? That, yeah. Yeah. Was that, a their, their names are on the same locker room door. Yeah. And now it's just like not just one. Uh, oh. And I was okay. like, I, I knew about this moment, and like, I knew what I was looking for when I decided to do this episode. So I kind of kept waiting for that to happen, and it's not in this particular episode episode of raw it's just razor ramon which is yeah hmm. weird i'm disappointed Didn't expect that. <laughs> oh well you and everybody else buddy so <laughs> now we're gonna we're gonna rewind a few weeks we're gonna we're gonna zoom out we're gonna step out of kayfabe for a second and we're gonna talk about vince mcmahon's creative decisions brace yourselves <sighs> so do we have to we do. Well, I mean, again, you can go, you know, like make yourself a sandwich or whatever. Like you don't have to be here for any of this. But That's a fair point. That's what fair. I want to talk about is I, I find this story a little bit more interesting than it typically gets the credit for. And we're going to go into this a little bit. So the typical, you know, wrestling explanation that you hear when you hear the story of fake Diesel and fake Razor Ramon, fake Diesel would eventually come. It was exactly as dumb and exactly as disappointing. But the story you always hear 
is that, you know, one day Vince McMahon woke up and in what has to be like one of the greatest moments of self-delusion in human history said, okay, WCW is killing me with Scott Hall and Kevin Nash. They're clearly capitalizing on the superstars that I built. And if I can make Scott Hall and Kevin Nash superstars as Diesel and Razor Ramon, then I can make somebody else a superstar as Diesel and Razor Ramon. And so he made the fateful decision to recast two of the characters in his wrestling show. Now, like, it's funny to me that, like, obviously in retrospect, this would never work. But it's kind of funny that nobody had ever tried before this. Like, this is something that you see in movies all the time, and people don't complain about it too much. Like, yeah, Maggie Gyllenhaal is not Katie Holmes, but The Dark Knight's still a great movie, and Rachel being played by a different person doesn't break the movie, right? It it comes very close. It's weird. I don't know if it comes very close. It comes very close. Like, the highlight of the movie is her death. It, I, yeah, I don't think it would have worked if she didn't die in the movie. I think that in a really perverse way, and this is way off topic, like scratches that itch in the audience's brain. And, you know, halfway through, it's like, all right, don't worry about it. Right. She's gone. And you're like, OK, that's right. <laughs> but then it, it the whole and you know what? Never mind. Anyway, 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 my point is that happens sometimes. And while you notice and it's kind of annoying, like. It very rare. To be fair, one, it does happen, and two, it very rarely is an improvement. I'm trying to think of any example of like a big recasting of something where it has like been good. I mean, the only example biggest ones are Maggie Gyllenhaal for Katie Holmes, and Mm -hmm. then uh, um, Don 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 Cheadle Cheadle for yep. um, Oh my gosh, I blanked on his name. Rose. Yeah, 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 I know that, but uh, the Terrence Howard, uh, yeah, replacing I, him I, as Iron Man as Rhodes. Well, I was thinking of the the actor's name. Oh, the Terrence original Howard. actor. Yeah. Okay, I was like, how can you not think of anyone in the MCU right no, now? No, I was thinking of the actor's name. Yeah, right, that, right. Again. And and again, that not not a great recasting either. It it very rarely is better. Right, but here's the thing that I like. I, I think about, and this is because this is a story that I always thought was super interesting when I was new to wrestling. Because like, the further you get away from movies, usually the better it works. Like, this is kind of an obscure example, but Jerry Seinfeld's dad in the show Seinfeld was recast after season one to an actor who's way funnier, and it's never addressed. But like, it's a good choice, and nobody cares because the whole point of Seinfeld is like. It's just a bunch of random things that happened, and continuity is not right. that huge of a deal. TV shows, it's a little bit easier to get away with. Again, kind of distracting, but like it'll happen. And then I thought, you know, wrestling with its roots in live theater, this on paper, like if you think about it, uh, you know, abstractly, sounds like it would work. Like it has worked before. If, right. Well, hey, like the other example I was going to use, yeah. The other example I was going to use was like they just released Hamilton on Disney Plus with its original Broadway cast. But like when it starts traveling again, Lin-Manuel Miranda is not going to be playing Hamilton. 
but nobody cares. Nobody gets mad about that because they understand like for this play, we've cast different people in different roles. I just think it's interesting. This is kind of a diversion, but I just think it's funny that like certain things allow that. Yeah. And even certain things in wrestling, because you're exactly right. Like doink, tons of different people have played doink. A lot of like, you know, other lucha, like masked wrestlers. Like, I guess Sin Cara is the only other real example of this. But like it it doesn't work. And somebody had to figure this out eventually. It turned out to be Vince McMahon. It doesn't work when you can see the guy's faces and see that this is not the person who made Razor Ramon great. Scott Hall was the man who made Razor Ramon great, not WWF's promotion or costume design or music. Which they still think that that's the case, even to this day. It's, yeah, it's it's a super, it's a super interesting, like, without getting too, you know. I was just going to say, it's not not as blatant as like that, but they still believe that, that they are the ones that make them the big stars, which I can't think of a single instance where that's been the case other than maybe Hulk Hogan, but Hulk Hogan was still, you know, one of the best talkers ever. So right. you can't even well, just say that now they definitely have for, given for what he of was people. asked to do. Yeah. Right, right, right. He, I mean, he wasn't, he wasn't CM Punk, but yeah, no, I know what you it's mean. A like, he's got that different charisma. talking. It's different talking. Right, he's right. one of the, um, regardless, he's still one of the best promos ever. Um, but now they, they they've done a great job obviously of giving people platforms and certain things or and i take that back although the the one the one that i can think of is the undertaker that really was like a full character character but it still wouldn't have worked without mark calloway doing it so it's like i feel like they don't give their performers enough credit but on purpose like there's no way they're dumb enough yeah. to actually believe a lot of this stuff there's yeah, because well, it's never been the case it's always the skill of the superstars and the individual wrestlers being able to use the platform and then make themselves a huge star. It doesn't usually work when they're just like, here, this is the star now. And we all are like, except for Harris, we all are like, no, doesn't work. Right. No, you're absolutely right. And that's what like, that's why I like this story. Like it's a bad wrestling angle, but it's so fascinating because it's just the, biggest proof of that it's the, like wrestling is unique to any other form of storytelling in that like the character only ever works because of the charisma of the person playing the character like you're right the the mystique of the undertaker was a huge part of what made him a star but it doesn't work if you have anyone else play the undertaker and if he had left and gone to wcw and they put glenn jacobs out there as the undertaker it would not have worked no, you can't divorce those two things and you can't recast somebody in wrestling. I just think that's super interesting because like, again, on paper, it makes sense that they might try and think that would work. But the instant he steps through that curtain, you're just like, no, dude, this is not like wrestling fans aren't stupid. I mean, we kind of are, but we're not so dumb that they're just going to be like, oh, yeah, sweet. Razor Ramon's back. Let's go. Like that's that was never going to happen. Even if this guy playing him was amazing, and again, rest in peace, he's not. He's not good. He's kind of a schmuck. But here's the thing. Here's the thing. Pivoting back – well, okay. (laughs) First of all, so Vince McMahon makes this decision at some point, right? 
and he says, okay, well, if I can, if, if I can get Scott Hall and Kevin Nash over as Diesel and Razor Ramon, I can get somebody else over as Diesel and Razor Ramon. And there are, there are some great stories that come out of this angle. Number one, Jim Cornette was talking about this in an interview, and he said he was told on a week's notice that Diesel and Razor Ramon were coming back, and he had to go find replacements and train them, and I quote, to wrestle like Hall and Nash in a week. Brilliant. <laughs> it's great to hear Jim Cornette talk about it because he's just he's immediately like, well, Kevin Nash, you can teach anybody to wrestle like Kevin Nash because Kevin Nash only does six things. And I yeah, can't. You, you just have to have a guy who's six foot seven and who can right. move. And that's about it. Right. Uh, spoiler alert. They didn't even have that. Right. I mean, they got like they got Glenn Jacobs. Yeah, that's the thing. People people don't quite give Kevin Nash enough credit for his athleticism. Well, I mean, again, that's go. what I he just didn't that, he didn't choose to most of the time. Right. Well, and that's what I think is so interesting. Watching this is like it's fun to dump on Kevin Nash. Kevin Nash made Kevin Nash work. Oh yeah. Because for whatever his limitations, he's still a talented and charismatic person who can get you to buy into him as a performer. And you can't just replace that, even if he did tear out his quad in the time it took me to say that sentence. It, you know, he still works. <laughs> and again, Glenn Jacobs, who, of course, everybody knows as Isaac Yankum or the Christmas Creature. I, I only didn't know quite him work as Christmas that Creature. Role. Yeah, yeah, you know, that's that's what most people know him for. But, you know, keen listeners might remember him as Isaac Yankum. And Yankum. to be honest, I didn't even realize Kevin Nash was Diesel. I just knew of him as Oz. <laughs> ah, that's on that's on the list for sure. <laughs> my other favorite story to come out of this moment, you know, going back to when Jr. on Raw says we got them and they're coming back soon. My favorite story about this is Scott Hall and Kevin Nash will claim that when this episode aired, Eric Bischoff panicked and thought he had like missed something in their contracts or because their contracts hadn't gone into effect yet or some, you know, legal details around their status with WCW, he thought he had messed up and actually offered them bigger contracts and contract extensions to make sure that they didn't leave. Now, Eric Bischoff denies that this happened. He, he doesn't remember it that way. He's like, no, they were, they were signed. Like I knew they were signed. I didn't know what was going on, but I knew they couldn't leave. So a little bit of back and forth on that, but it's a great story. To be honest, it's hard for me to believe that Eric Bischoff would uh, that that would happen. That that just that, I, that seems tough to tough to I believe. I agree, but it's it is hilarious because you know for like half a second he was like, "Wait, oh, did no, I, I, no. I'm sure like he would. I, I could see <laughs> him like reacting to it for sure, but." I mean, he's he's well versed enough in contracts and stuff where he's not going to be exactly ready. his thing would be like, oh, shoot, am I about to have to sue someone? Then, oh, did they not sign a contract or something? But well, that's still that, that's still fantastic. It, it's funny that you mentioned that. And we're going to get into this a little bit more. We're going to get in into lawsuits. Noticed... Oh, yeah, dude. In case oh, you boy. hadn't noticed at this point, most of what I think is so fascinating about this story is happening outside of the actual kayfabe storyline, probably more than any episode we've done in the past. Because, like, this is what I never really thought about because you know what they did and they made it work. But, like, WCW kind of had the exact opposite problem. Like, they had brought over these two guys who were Diesel and Razor Ramon. Like, they were these 
characters. They were these kind of cartoon characters pulled from the WWF, which was known for making cartoon characters at the time. And they had to figure out a way to use all of the kayfabe-like credentials that these guys had built up in another company, but not get sued because they don't own the rights to Scott Hall. They don't own, or they don't own the rights to Razor Ramon. They don't own the rights to Diesel. Those are very distinct and very clear intellectual property. So they did – for a while they were just like, oh, it's, it's these guys again. They're here. You know who they are. You know where they're from. But they kind of dance around it. And when you watch it back now, you're, it just feels like really good, like really subtle storytelling. But at the time, it was also like we can't call these guys what everyone knows they are because we don't own the rights to those names. And we, we like we just we got to let it linger unsaid. And then eventually they call in the outsiders and then they realize they can just call them by their real names. And that works and is way cooler anyway and works in the context of the story. But they kind of had to work backwards and say, OK, we want to have the elements of these characters. We want Scott Hall to have his hair slicked back. We want him to have the toothpick. We want him. We want everybody at home to say. Oh, shoot, is that Razor Ramon? But we can't call him Razor Ramon. And that was like a really interesting dynamic that they kind of had to figure out because WWE could technically do exactly what they did and say, that's right, Razor Ramon is still here because we own that name and that likeness and that costume and on and on and on and on. Anyway, all that to say, at some point, at some point, Vince and company clearly had to realize that this was never going to work. I imagine the moment that they saw poor Rick Bogner try to do anything in the ring. I, I don't know that for a fact, but like as bad and stupid as this idea is, and we've hashed all of this out already, like they weren't trying to play it at face value by the time the characters actually debuted. Like at some point between JR teasing Razor Ramon and Diesel returning and when fake Razor first came out, they said, OK, we have to like we have to bend the rules here a little bit. And what they ended up doing was having JR turn heel and like as an insult and a middle finger to the wrestling fans, bring out this comically bad fake Razor Ramon and eventually fake Diesel. And I never realized that, like hearing about fake Diesel and fake Razor Ramon. It's not really clear to me when the switch was flipped when they said, okay, we have to do this ironically and like make it part of JR's heel turn. But that clearly happened at some point. Like they're not trying to sell you on these guys at face value because the instant he steps through the curtain, Jerry is like, wait, who is that guy? Like immediately they call it out. They're very aware that this is not who it is. The next week when fake Razor Ramon, he's billed as Razor Ramon, but he comes out for a match. JR is back on commentary and Jerry says, JR, that's not Scott Hall. And JR says, I never said Scott Hall was coming back. I said Razor Ramon was coming back. Oh my gosh. Like they acknowledge it immediately, which is not something people ever talk about when they talk about this angle, but they knew it was stupid. They realized it was stupid. And then they said, Hey, we're going to use this obviously stupid thing to get this heel character heat. Uh, the, the, the problem with this angle is not, I mean, fake Diesel and fake Razor Ramon is stupid, but the problem with this angle is that it was trying to make JR hateable. 
and that's really, really not possible. Right, right. That's where this whole thing well, I don't breaks know. down. Like, it kind of is now. Well, okay, but this, I'm sorry, this is prime JR. This is good old JR. This is not like <laughs> old JR. You know what I mean? So, like, I, 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 we, we could go on to talk about, you know, like the in ring career of fake Diesel and fake Razor Ramon, except they didn't do anything. Like, we're not talking, that's it. They existed for a minute. That's the entirety of what I have to say about them. But they died <laughs> almost immediately because everyone was like, yeah, we're not going to we're not going to boo JR. What do you think this? No, like we're choosing if it's a choice between even pre screw job. If you're asking the fans to choose between Vince McMahon and JR, they're choosing JR every time. Uh, yeah, like like it's not even a contest. Like, <laughs> again, I, I tried to make this clear earlier in the show. JR's work shoot promo where he talks about how mad he is at Vince McMahon and he's bitter at the WWF and he's bitter at the fans. That's done well. But like when CM Punk did that, when CM Punk did that kind of stuff with the pipe bomb, the company did something they almost never do. And they acknowledged that, hey, this is going to get over with people and we need to give him the leeway to be popular, to be cheered. And even though everything that the company did with Punk in that time frame on screen, they all considered John Cena the hero. The announcers were pulling for John Cena. They were talking about Punk like he was the heel. But they also knew, okay, we're going to put this guy on in the main event in Chicago. The crowd's going to go nuts for him. And we're going to put him over, and it's going to be a big deal because what he says will resonate with a lot of people. Like when you run that work shoot, you have to give the fans leeway to react to it. Yeah. And they didn't do that in this case. They just expected everybody to boo JR for turning his back on Vince McMahon and the WWF and boo him for bringing out these terrible characters. But even in 1996, again, wrestling fans aren't stupid. They all said, well, yeah, this is a dumb idea. Vince McMahon had this dumb idea to bring these two characters back. And then Vince McMahon wrote this promo for JR to give us to try and make JR a bad guy because he hates JR and wants to embarrass him. We don't care for any of this. We're just going to cheer JR and we don't care what you have to say about it. So, like, the entire, like, kayfabe justification for bringing these two people back, which is look at JR, isn't he the worst? He got your hopes up and now he's a bad guy and he's got these two doofuses with him. It's dead in the water because everyone's like, no, that's a story you wrote. That's stupid. We're going to keep liking JR. And it just, it just died. Like, in terms of in-ring career, there's nothing else I have to say. There's no crazy gimmicks. A lot like the Kiss Demon, they didn't like kill them off in dramatic fashion, which at least would have been fun. <laughs> you know, because like well, Stone I mean, Cold they didn't was even around kill off, They didn't even kill off the uh, uh, the Kiss Demon properly. Well, that's what I'm saying. Like they didn't even have like Stone Cold was Stone Cold at this point. Like he'd cut the Austin 316 promo. Yeah. By this point, you could have had Stone Cold say. No, we don't need old men here anymore. We got new superstars and stunner them both and kick them into a dumpster. And that's the, like something. They don't do any of that. They just <laughs> they do what they do with the Kiss Demon. They just kind of book them like jobbers and jabronis for a while. <laughs> sure. uh, this is neither here nor there. But before I get into my actual conclusion, um, poor Rick Wagner. The yeah. story goes, I don't know if this is true or not, but the story goes that at the time – you know, Vince McMahon, as baffling as his creative decisions can be, 
even if you think he's full of it, he will all like he, he's willing to sit down and hear you out, even if he disagrees with you. And he welcomes wrestlers being like, OK, what do you think we should do with you? Like, what do you want to do next? He won't. Yeah, he doesn't mind unless they actually have something that they have to say. And then, then he might. Well, it's funny you say that because the, the story goes that, you know, at the time, Vince McMahon was famous for like giving people his home phone number. So if you're a writer or you're, you know, Shawn Michaels or Steve Austin, be like, hey, listen, seriously, call me if you have any like, you know, ideas for your character or your booking or you don't understand why I want you to cut a promo this way or turn heel. Like, give me a call. Let's talk about it. He had he, he was very forthcoming about that. And the story goes that Rick Bogner, after a few months of being booked very badly on TV as fake Razor Ramon, and then a few weeks of not being booked on TV at all as fake Razor Ramon, Rick Bogner called Vince up and he was just like, hey, man, I just want to know, like, like, what's the deal? Are there any plans for me? Could we maybe try doing something else or like what what's next for me? And Vince McMahon said never call me at my house again and hung up (laughs) (laughs) and then they released him. That's the story. Oh man. That's great. Yeah. Again, potentially not true, but kind of like the Eric Bischoff, like hearing diesel and razor are coming back and panicking. It's such a great story because the mental image you get is just, (laughs) Oh, it's great. But Regardless of how this panned out in the ring, because it didn't pan out in the ring at all, it panned out kind of exactly the way Vince McMahon wanted it to in real life. Because there was another reason he had for running these two characters back with new cast members, and it wasn't just his own ego thinking that he could pull it off. It was copyright defense. They, before they ever did this, tried to sue WCW for doing exactly what I talked about earlier and trotting out Scott Hall and Kevin Nash, understanding that everyone watching at home would go, oh, shoot, that's Razor Ramon and Diesel and doing everything in their power to make that connection as clear as possible without actually saying Diesel and Razor Ramon. WWF tried to sue WCW. I mean, they did sue them. Because they were saying, look, Scott Hall still got his hair slicked back, still got a Cuban accent, still got the toothpick. Diesel, still real tall and gangly, still uses a jackknife powerbomb. That's clearly our characters that we wrote and we created. And even though you're not using their names on television, you're using them without our permission. And bringing back... Razor Dude, Ramon WWE is the funniest company in the world when it comes to things like this. Obviously, the, like especially with WCW, obviously the best example is the fact that is 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 um the fact that they would constantly throw in anonymous tips and things like that to censors and stuff like that about violence and blood. And then WCW, because they were managed by a bunch of morons, like, in the board and stuff, who had no idea what they were doing or wrestling business or anything like that. I'm talking about the people above Eric Bischoff and and that that group. And so they'd be like, oh, no, we can't have this. Banned. All this stuff. And then WWE is like, ha-ha, attitude era. And they're just like, oh, my (laughs) gosh. And the argument would be, oh, it's moral and immoral and all this stuff and it shouldn't have it. And then 
right immediately just doing the same thing like they're, they're the funniest company in the world when it comes to stuff like that well, they're and, all they're right. always the victim while they're constantly always. the oppressor it's hilarious and they've and they've done this all the time like with other characters who are transparently wrestlers who like gimmicks that aren't in the wwf like right. i think of the road warriors as the clearest example of that like they were constantly like well all right we're gonna have a tag team that's real big and scary and they're also gonna wear face paint and spiky pads right oh yeah no 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 they're not they're not the road warriors they're the legion of doom totally right like that's way more of a like a very visible gimmick infringement like legally gimmick infringement than anything that these guys were doing in WCW at the time with Hall and Nash. And like I said earlier, like it's hilarious to read about this lawsuit because WWE is just furious that WCW has found a really excellent storytelling opportunity and knocked it out of the park because that's exactly what they did because they never mentioned them by name. Right. At some point, they, they finally have Bischoff like ask them, are you still employed by WWF? And they're like, no. So you can't sue us anymore, Vince, because Vince was trying to claim, well, people watching on TV think that these guys still work for WWF. They think this is a WWF show and we just can't have that. And I love that so much because I just love the idea of Eric Bischoff in a court of law going, your honor, you. You know, it's fake, right? Like, <laughs> like yeah, we're doing this for a story very transparently, like anybody who's like over a. 13 year old in terms of literary comprehension understands what we're doing here and that we're alluding to real life, but telling a fictional story. Like it's very clear and WWF doesn't like win the lawsuit on those grounds. But all that is to say when they bring back diesel and razor Ramon, it isn't just Vince thinking he can get anybody over. Cause even if he thought that initially, like I said, at some point in that month, he realized it would never get over and tried to incorporate it into a heel turn and that didn't work. But the other reason he brought them back was just to like, so WCW couldn't say, well, they abandoned the trademark, so you should give it to us and potentially win the case that way. He's trying to keep it active and prove this is a WWF property. And dude, it worked. That's, <laughs> that's the wildest thing about all of this. As smart as Eric Bischoff was in crafting this whole Hall and Nash storyline. And I know it wasn't all him, but you know what I mean? Like he gets the NWO yeah, and yeah, yeah. this run he went on, all this stuff. Sure. Just, just like Mick Foley and just like the finger poke of doom, Eric Bischoff. Is that the finger poke of doom? That was a different night. I apologize. Never mind. Yeah. Eric Bischoff's mouth is what sank in here. I don't know if Vince did this on purpose. I kind of suspect he didn't, but at some point he might've thought, well, they got Hall and Nash debuted. They got him as the outsiders. They got him in the NWO without ever explicitly referencing my trademarked property. But maybe if I put diesel and razor Ramon back on TV, and it's transparently, insultingly, stupidly fake. Maybe Eric Bischoff won't be able to resist name dropping them in the broadcast because I know he loves to trash my show in his television broadcasts. And that's exactly what he did because he couldn't keep himself 
from throwing stones at the competition instead of running his own show. And he said, hey, if you're tuning in, don't tune into the other guys, because if you want to see Diesel and Razor Ramon, we got the real thing right here. And they got him. They won the lawsuit because he did that, because he said, no, no, no. We have Diesel and Razor Ramon on our show because he explicitly name dropped two WWF pieces of intellectual property and they got him. And they ended up winning that lawsuit against WCW. Now, they couldn't shut him down for that. That's not, that's not enough. They just, you know, they had to make it clear this isn't Diesel and Razor Ramon. That's all that that was about. But. As part of that victory and as part of the conditions, they said, well, clearly WCW, you know, probably leveraged their brand a little bit by explicitly referencing Vince McMahon's own intellectual property. So if WCW ever goes out of business or is ever up for sale in any way, Vince McMahon gets first right at the bid. And then he bought the company when they went out of business. Yeah. This is the dumbest thing to ever happen in kayfabe and like one of the smartest things Vince McMahon has ever done out of it. <laughs> and it's, it's astonishing that both of those things can be true at the same time. Yeah. Yes, it is. That is. But, but again, though, isn't that Vince McMahon in a nutshell? Yes, dude. It's brilliant. <laughs> like, I hate this man so much sometimes. But he did it, and you're like, man, that's incredible, and it worked. <laughs> it worked. And all anyone ever talks about, this is the thing, he got away with it, because all anyone ever talked about is, huh, remember fake Diesel? How dumb does he think we are? Eric Bischoff was dumb enough to bite on that hook, right. line, and sinker. And they had they had created this whole NWO story without ever once actually saying Diesel and Razor Ramon. But as soon as he saw a bad version of Diesel and Razor Ramon, He's like, no, 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 man. We got the real Diesel and Razor Ramon right here. And Vince was like, got him. I got him. Wow. It's, dude, that was – I wanted to do this for a while anyway because I wanted to talk about like, oh, well, it was part of JR's heel turn and it wasn't quite as dumb as you would think it was even if it didn't work. I didn't know about the history of the lawsuits and specifically the right to buy WCW. Yeah, that's fascinating. That came out of all this. That's it, – it's incredible. It's one of my favorite – stories because not there, there's so few things that combine real life and kayfabe like this story yeah. does and like i said in the complete opposite direction like cm punk and the pipe bomb or daniel bryan in wrestlemania 30 like blends real life and reality in the same direction and the wrestling is great and the real life story is great this is the opposite this isn't even wrestling it's just insulting it's like what people who hate wrestling think wrestling is in the ring but outside of the ring it's just Vince McMahon being a stone cold killer and it's kind of incredible. <sighs> that, 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 that is amazing. Yeah. So, and I can't believe they don't talk about it more. Cause I didn't learn, like I didn't learn about the lawsuits on a piece of WWE propaganda on the network. I learned about that on like a different, like a business podcast that did a seven episode run on the Monday night wars. They mentioned that like, I don't know. That makes me think maybe Vince did all that on accident and <laughs> just didn't even think about that at the time because otherwise again, it wouldn't be rubbing I would in their believe face. that as well. 
Yeah, it's kind of funny. I would believe it? that he actually was trying to do real fake, like a real D- Diesel and Razor Ramon, and then just happened to stumble into this whole other thing. Like, I would believe that as much as I would believe he did all of it on purpose. Yeah, I, I think the truth has got to be somewhere in the middle. I think he really thought, well, why can't we recast them and keep this trademark alive and prove that we're using them? And then as soon as Eric Bischoff said it, one of his lawyers was like, uh, <laughs> sir, I think we got him. Like, I don't you're right. I just don't think he's that smart. I don't think he's quite <laughs> as dumb as most people who tell this story pretend that he is. But I don't think he was smart enough to mastermind this whole thing anyway. Either way, it's absolutely fascinating. And when I was watching Dynamite this week and they kept talking about WWF, that was what made me think, okay, I have to finally talk about this because it's the same. (laughs) It's the same problem. You know, it's the same symptom. I don't think anything like that's going to happen. But it's, it's a fascinating story. And it's it's fun to do one that's interesting and not just booked stupidly you know right, what i mean right yeah, yeah yeah it's been a while since we've had a good like crazy backs backstage type of you know situation right it's been a while it's been a while that isn't you know, like, right that isn't just like you know I mean, Jeff we had Jarrett a tiny, runs the company right i mean we had a tiny bit last week with with some of the kiss stuff but mm-hmm. i'm trying to think of the last time we've had like a angle where it's been a ton of backstage stuff and it man i i can't think of when the last one was it's it's been it's been a it's been a minute yeah so it was time for that i agree that was that was solid solid choice all right well that was fun and uh now we're all a little bit smarter or or dumber depending on how you view vince mcmahon i guess (laughs) but uh that works that works Thanks for listening, guys. Make sure to follow us on Twitter at Behind underscore Gorilla and Instagram at Behind underscore Gorilla. Um, posting all the links to all the episodes and whenever either of us happen to watch live wrestling, we tweet on there as well. Um, follow me on Twitter at Mark Markbrand. And I'm at Harris Wilson. So you can do that too. And um, yeah, any uh, any final thoughts here, Harris? Just go go watch the uh, Jim Cornette interview where he talks about having to train these two guys to <laughs> be like Scott Hall and Kevin Nash because it's like it's a solid three minutes of just ripping on Kevin Nash. <laughs> it's very entertaining. <laughs> oh, and JR's there too, great. and he's like, "Yeah, you know, like the stuff I said in that promo, I really felt." But Jim Cornette steals the show, and it put him in a very <laughs> funny position because nobody told him either. He showed up, and they were like, "All right, we're bringing back Diesel and Razor Ramon," and he was like, "Oh God, okay." <laughs> Uh, That's good stuff. Yeah, everyone look it up. That's good. All right, guys. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of Behind the Gorilla, and we will talk to you with another crazy and insane wrestling topic next week.